Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 366. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. I uh, sat down with Carice Nafee of the Happy Lawyer Mom podcast, and we just had a very real discussion about the many challenges of being a career-oriented, ambitious person who also kind of wants to have kids and like figuring out how the those two things are possible without having a complete mental breakdown. So I'm excited to hear what you think about this. I invited Carice onto the pod to talk about part-time work. Is it a problem for your career? Is it a benefit for women who want to be moms? Is it a false promise, right? Like, is this just saying women should scale back in their careers so that they can be, you know, super mom in addition to somehow keeping our careers alive? Let me just get right into it by introducing you to Carice Nafee. She practiced law for 10 years at a top international law firm in Washington, D.C., during which time she became a mother of two. After experiencing firsthand the challenges of juggling a demanding legal practice with motherhood, Carice decided to carve out her own legal practice path so that she could be present and happy as a mom and a lawyer. Now, Carice helps other lawyer moms expand beyond limited perceptions of what's possible to create personalized legal careers that deliver on work-life balance. She's the host of the Happy Lawyer Mom podcast and the founder of happylawmom.com. She's tuning in today from Annapolis, Maryland, where she lives with her husband and two young sons. Carice, welcome to the Bossed Up podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here, Emily. So I feel like you and I ran into each other at a very interesting time in my life. We were at uh, the Mother's Esquire conference, a client of ours who's a leadership mm-hmm. conference for women mom attorneys in particular. And it was delightful to have your support and your involvement in that conference. And I was also, what, six months postpartum? Like, barely barely getting my feet wet in the whole new motherhood thing. And so many conversations had that weekend were just, like, hitting me right in the gut of where – how hard, frankly, being a working parent and specifically a working mom and specifically a working mom in a male-dominated industry can really be. Carice, as the founder of Happy Law Mom and the creator of the Happy Lawyer Mom podcast, sort of what called you to this work? What is your origin story when it comes to getting really deep into the topic of working motherhood? Yeah, so... I think I had a moment similar to what you were experiencing around the time of the conference Mm. where you just realize, wait a second, I used to be really good at my work (laughs) and doing all of this. And then when I was on leave, I was really good at taking care of my Mm. baby. And that Mm. integration of those two things at the same time 
is so hard for anybody who is used to being so committed and so dedicated and giving their all to their work or to their family Mm. that merging them together is, is just really hard. And so I, in my own life decided I am going to, the only way that this is going to work is if I take a step back and I figure out a part-time arrangement and I Mm. really give myself some leeway here to make this work. And I was, I was really kind of an outlier. Um, A lot of people in my firm, I worked in the law in DC and they were really kind of watching me (laughs) from the sidelines saying, okay, what's going to happen here? Because we've seen a lot of people try this and it didn't work. And I was able Mm. to make it work for five years. And uh, before I I decided that I actually wanted to go on and just do this full time where I'm helping other people to create the work arrangements that really allow them to do the work that they love and be a parent at the same time. And um, I just had such a good experience um, helping other moms, mentoring other moms um, when I was doing it myself. And I decided there's a need for this. There's a real need um, in this profession, in the legal profession, for um, yeah, for uh, women to be able to make an impact and the impact that they want to make in their careers and still have kids and see them at the same time. Right. What a radical notion. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carice, I just want to highlight the fact that in big law, like you're working full-time hours, I put in air quotes here, because what is like, what is the average big law attorney's workload look like? Like we're not talking 40 hours a week going down to necessarily 10 hours a week, right? You're talking about having a regular uh, semblance of work-life balance for women, which shouldn't be so radical, right? Like that should be attainable for all parents and all people, you know, including doggy parents and cat dads, you know what I mean? Like, what did that look like in big law in particular, having been a, a hotshot DC attorney? What did, you know, what did that hours commitment look like? Yeah. So normally at the firm I was at, we had a 2000 billable hour requirement and I went down to a 60% of that whenever I first came back from maternity leave. And then I ramped up a little bit to 70%. Now, what that translated to was um, I basically would be able to leave the office at 5 o'clock whenever I needed to pick my son up from daycare. And I worked um, remotely on Mondays, and I did not work on Fridays. Um, and usually, like, full-time, I would maybe check in. I would maybe attend a call, but I was not, like, full-time. Um, and so that was a good arrangement to, but I needed that 70% to, to really just allow for the flexibility of leaving. Now, did I still have to log on after hours to finish deadlines? Yes, that, that definitely occurred. Um, but it was after, yeah, you know, I had had, um, at least three hours with my son in the afternoon where I was able to, you know, play with him and we had dinner, put him to bed. And then, you know, I could, I could finish up any loose ends from there. And and that arrangement was very fluid. So whenever it came time to prep for trial, 
um, I went up to, you know, 90 and sometimes 100%. And then whenever things calmed back down, I would go back to 70%. Um, whenever I had my second baby, I basically just stayed at 60% because that was a whole other issue. So it was a very fluid arrangement, but it really worked for me um, for, for a very long time. My, like, initial gut reaction to the discussion being – women having children should be able to go part-time is very visceral and very defensive. Because, like, right away I go, well, why should women have to be the ones to go part-time? I'm glad you brought that up because one thing I wanted to say was that we need to be viewing part-time in a very equal way. We need to be viewing it as this is something that should really be available for anyone who needs it. Um, if someone, you know, I, I have a friend who is married to an attorney and her husband is at 60% while she's at 100%. This does not have to be, it, has, it shouldn't run on gender lines. It should be available to anyone who needs it. The same thing could be said of, someone who doesn't have children but has an aging parent they need to take care of or something like that. It's just families, it's life, it's you know, it's an understanding that we are not robots, we are not machines, we are human beings with lives. And actually, we're more productive when our employers or our clients or, you know, whatever work arrangement we have, whenever that is recognized. Um, and that people actually do a better job. And this has been studied a lot. Um, and, you know, objectively speaking, our productivity drops off with overwork. We might think we're getting a lot done, but objectively speaking, when scientists go in and measure what people are actually getting done versus what they think they're getting done, it drops off. So not to mention like the resentment that builds if you feel like you're forced to make this impossible choice as a parent, especially as an ambitious career-oriented parent who's like, I really care about my work. I really feel like I'm, you know, I've mastered my craft to some extent at this point. Like I can add a lot of value to this firm's bottom line and you're being forced out because it's 90 hours a week or nothing. You know what I mean? Like that is such a choice and it's such a resentful or it would breed resentment in me if I were faced with that choice. And resentment, we know from the research on that emotion that people who feel resentful towards their employers do all kinds of bad things. Mm -hmm. Like it justifies, you know, kind of sawing the, um, the, the rope that everyone else is trying to pull, you know, that kind of behavior of like truly unhelpful disengagement. Um, and employers are to blame for a lot of the conditions that lead to that. But we just live, especially here in the United States, which I, I recognize is not how the whole world operates. But really here we live in a culture where historically, at least since like women's lib, right, in the, the 60s and 70s, where we've been taught that like your professional identity has to somehow like work around your personal goals, like having kids or taking care of your parents. When I really think we're starting to see that shift where maybe it's a response to the pandemic and everyone asking big existential questions like, why are we here and what is this all for? Maybe it's Gen Z that we have to thank for this. But people are really questioning like, okay, how does work fit into my life and not the other way around? Is that sort of 
like what you're getting at with that humanist approach to to work life balance. Exactly. Yeah. I've always um, I've always kind of subscribed to that notion that that um, just as you said that our our work needs to fit our lives instead of the other yeah. way around. And um, I know that's not the way that many people view things, but I think that in the long term, it's actually the yeah. healthiest and most sustainable way and the most productive way ultimately. And when you're thinking about, you know, on, on a global level, how we all fit into the fabric of the society, we all need to be taken care of. We're all happier when everyone is taken care yeah. of versus yeah. when, you know, people are just bearing a burden that is yeah. ultimately not going to get them to, you know, a happy, healthy place. Um, yeah. And I think we, we are all responsible for that. We have to play our part, um, yeah. everyone, and, and the different ways that we yeah. can. I have to ask, you know, you just came back from Spain. Mm-hmm. You've married someone from Spain. Mm-hmm. What does this look like on the international scale? Do you see, like, is it glaringly obvious when you're vacationing abroad that America's doing it wrong? <laughs> uh, the short answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. we over there, um, you know, I have a... Um, my my husband has a cousin who recently had a, a child. Um, they're both um, work in the medical profession, and um, they are both having these really nice long leaves where they are taking mm. time being with the baby, and um, you know, and it's just um, it's just accepted. Like this is this is what you do. I mean, I would say Spain was kind of a late comer to that uh, within Europe, but they are now fully on board and. Um, and there's just a, there's a lot of support there. Now, are there yeah. problems? Sure. They're, you know, they had not have it all figured out either, but, um, mm. they, you know, they're experimenting a lot more in Europe with the idea that everybody should have shorter work weeks. Um, there's a lot of these four day work week experiments, and mm-hmm. pilot programs happening there where people are saying, okay, we will be as productive in four days as we were in five um, in you know exchange for only having to go in four days a week and um, and getting paid for five and um, for a lot of places it's working so That's you know the, the fact that they're open to exploring and experimenting and, and questioning and being curious about it is really refreshing yeah that is refreshing I want to make that happen so bad um, because I really think everyone needs a three-day weekend <laughs> To, like, actually live and, like, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Okay, so why is part-time work not the career-ending option that so many of us have come to think of it as? Because when I came back to work full-time, first of all, I had kind of a miserable parental leave. My kid was really struggling. I was really struggling. So when I came back to work, I was like, ah, I'm back to work. How lovely. <laughs> what a what a break from like the hardest job I've actually ever had. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, as some of my girlfriends who were having kids right around the same time were like, yeah, I'm going back to work in six months. And come to find out she went back to work one day a week. I was like, that's not back to work. <laughs> I had this like very judgy internal response that was like, part-time work is not going back to work. Like, and I, I admit this with a little bit of shame because we don't need any more fuel on the mommy wars fire. You know what I mean? Like there's enough judgment that we all get as parents, but you can't help it. Like I just felt this sense of, you know, that's not going back to work. So help me understand 
why part-time work is in fact a benefit and not a career ender and not a career penalty, especially because I worry about women's long-term savings financially Mm -hmm. and like long-term career impacts because if it's overwhelmingly women who are taking part-time options and God forbid, you know, knocking on all the wood around that like your marriage falls the apart. I hate the idea that women are bearing the brunt of the career sacrifices and then, you know, financially are worse off later on in life. So why is why is part-time work a good option, not just for your life, but also for your career? Why is it not a career liability? Mm-hmm. Great question. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is going back to that moment when you were re-entering, right, from your leave into the workplace, mm-hmm. a very common complaint or concern that many moms have is I feel like I'm failing at both. I feel like I'm not doing a good job um, at my job and I'm not doing a good job as a mom. And that ends up usually provoking them to burn and churn um, where they are, the first thing to go is their sleep. That's always the first thing, followed by exercise, followed by healthy food. It's their health. That is the first thing to go. And so you can end up in a situation where you're looking 10 or 15 years down the line and you've got serious health concerns. You've got uh, sometimes, you know, um, either it can be physical, it can be mental, it can be emotional, different kinds of things breaking down because that is not sustainable in the long term. And so what I see is a lot of moms who are trying to pull this all off and they call me in desperation saying, I have got to leave this job. Or they, they they just go ahead and leave a job and go into another job, but it's not a good fit either because all of the same things are still happening. And so it ends up actually being worse for them in the long run than if they had just taken this sort of preventative medicine of saying, I'm going to allow myself the leeway to do something that is hard, right? Like sometimes when you think about um, a professor taking a sabbatical, um, you think about, you know, all these different, um, you know, thought leaders have taken time for themselves. I mean, the think yeah. weeks that um, Bill Gates used to take, I mean, I, there's so yeah. many, so many examples of people who take time out because they realize that this is a requirement for them to function at right. the highest level. And so Well, it's so funny. You're like reading my first couple chapters of my book back to me right now, which is don't be a martyr, right? Mm-hmm. And set yourself <laughs> up for sustainability. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I literally wrote the first couple chapters of my book about my mom. And honestly, I look back and I'm like, the f- hubris of me to write, you know, a book that's like, oh, I'm not going to be a martyr like my mom. And my mom literally, God, will it, like, thank God she's so gracious and patient. And she was like, okay, LOL, Emily, just wait till you have kids. And then, like, come back and write, <laughs> write that chapter again. And here I am, like, just very much feeling what you're saying about Moms not taking care of themselves, including moms who write books about taking care of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like the ultimate irony is so true what you're saying. Like the the physical, the mental health of the mom 
is the first thing to go. Because even when we create grace for others and we want to make it okay for others to fail and like learn from that, we like we hold ourselves to an impossibly high standard. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what I hear you saying is like, you know, the, the, the patience that we have with our children is something we should probably extend to ourselves. Absolutely. In terms of on-ramping back. Okay. Yeah. So what and does that preventative approach look like? So it's really different for everyone. People need different things, and it depends on where you are. It depends on how happy you are with the status quo, right? Yeah. If you are one of those people who, you know, gets energy from their, her work and you just really want to be back and, you know, full-time, that that's amazing. Part-time could just be maybe that – you know, the, the band-aid for that transition period when you're, you're first coming back and you're having to pump and, you know, deal with all of that stuff you never had to deal with before, right? It can, it can just be an on-ramp. Um, so a couple of months really, um, to just, you know, kind of get back and, and just get into the new routine that is your, you know, this new, this new type of, of working life. Um, you know, for other people, they really want it to be, a longer term thing. I have a client who has four children and they're um, between one and eight years old. Her husband travels um, two weeks out of every month. So she wanted something that is much more sustainable and she just genuinely wanted to spend the time with the kids. And so she's, you know, she's a courtroom litigator and she transitioned to um, creating her own firm. And, you know, I helped her with that with that transition and she is now working 50% of the hours she was working last year, making the same amount of money. So it doesn't always have to mean a financial sacrifice. And in fact, whenever you are going out and getting your own clients in the world, um, that can actually be incredibly empowering to, to help you for your long-term, you know, career success to know that you have complete control over your career. So I just want people to know that's possible for them. Is it right for everybody? No. But is it right for a lot of people? Yes. And I think if more people knew about it, they would opt for that if they really knew it was an option for them. Yeah. It's always interesting to me that like entrepreneurship is presented as such a ticket to freedom for parents because, you know, it's not surprising that women and women of color in particular are the fastest growing population of business owners and first-time entrepreneurs uh, because we're not getting that grace from the corporate world. We're not getting that kind of flexibility. We're not getting those options. Um, But, you know, that grayscale of 100% or 0%, like we need some middle path. I think there's some great work being done by my friend Melissa over at WorkMuse, who's um, really helping companies reap the rewards of job sharing. I don't know if you've heard of I this. I love job sharing. Oh my god! Yeah, I have. To, I don't know about WorkMuse, but I have to find out because that is a yeah. that is a big um, idea that I've seen implemented not in the law yeah. but in other areas that I yeah. am very interested in, and and I think it's a fantastic. I think so too. I think I had her on. My brain is fried today, but I think I had her on the podcast. If so, I'll link to that podcast in today's (laughs) show notes. But um, we did talk about job sharing at at one point because I think that's like a corporate introduction to Mm -hmm. part-time work that works, Mm -hmm. you know, for business. So I think, yes, start your own firm. (laughs) 
yeah, if you can. But it's such a big lift to ask, especially of like a pregnant person or like someone who's already struggling to get pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant or is already has a kid. It's just like, it's like too much to ask for people to take that kind of a risk, you know? So we should just, I wish we had more options that felt safer. I don't know. So I actually have also seen, and I'll I'll tell you another story of another client who was working in-house for a large energy company that had exclusive male leadership at the top, and they had absolutely no interest in allowing anyone to go part-time. And we worked on this. We worked on a path, and she was able to get 20 hours a week working from home where she gets to set her schedule every week at the beginning Mm. of the week. And that was something that she was shocked that that ultimately they um, they did offer her um, and she was I mean she there was I think one other person in the entire company who was working part-time it was a yeah. large company and um, and she was able to do it and part of the reason why was because she understood and we we, we did a deep dive yeah. into the value that she brought she was yeah. willing to go elsewhere if she didn't get what she wanted, and they took that seriously. So women have a lot more leverage than they often think that they do. So, you know, I've seen it many ways. And you know what? I've also helped people go into brand new jobs and brand new organizations part-time as well. And negotiate Um, on the front end. I love that you're an attorney coming at this because it takes an attorney's mindset of – advocacy and negotiation to really make this happen and you know it's such an extension of like my core beliefs around workers rights and self-advocacy it's like look our system doesn't make it easy for this to have like for this to be accessible to everyone and sure someday it really should but in the meantime like do not think that you can't carve out some justice for yourself Mm -hmm. from this really unjust system so that's what I'm hearing you say it's like look be strategic be smart be thoughtful and be dogged about pursuing you know and advocating for your your needs and wants including part-time work as not like as not being interpreted as I don't care about my career like I very much do care about my career Mm -hmm. that's why I'd rather not leave here entirely I need this temporary or you know, permanent even, but part-time solution because I care. That's kind of what I hear you saying. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, that's one of the, I think, three elements that you really need to have to make part-time work work is an understanding that this arrangement is actually good for everybody. And Mm. you have to take the long view here. You have to go above and beyond what, you know, this quarterly statement looks like and think about what is, you know, the long term, um, what does this mean for everybody, all the stakeholders involved, right? right? Including your family, but including your clients and your and your employer and, and the customers and all, all the way down the, the supply chain. What does this look like? And in terms yeah. of how your work affects everyone. And well, I love that mindset because you're saying it's not, please, please, please give me what I want because I need this thing. You're saying go in with a mindset of mutual benefit, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's the only way it works. And that's yeah. that's the way that I was thinking about it. I had an institutional knowledge on the cases I was working on, and they needed that knowledge. And I wanted to be there and continue helping um, yeah. with those cases 
but I, I couldn't do it at my own expense. And so I realized like, this is the way that I stay. This is the way that I make this work. And this is actually good for everybody. And, you know, we found that path to make it, you know, to make that result inevitable. It was good for everybody. Mm. I think that's a really radical framing. You know, like when you just said, I want to be there. I know I can help you. I know you need me there. But I can't do that at my own expense. I think that last part comes slowly to many of us. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, how did you get to that point? How did you, like, find that deep well of self-worth you know what I mean because it's so easy to be selfless or like perform selflessness because it feels like an expectation in motherhood Mm -hmm. yeah so I think it's sort of the second element (laughs) of making right this is this is flowing I have a a list of the the three elements and and really the second element is knowing what is most important to you being really clear on your values yeah. and, and going at it from the inside out, not going to the world and saying, can I do this? But looking from the inside out and saying, okay, what really matters to me? What do I want my life to be like? What do I want my career to be about? Yeah. Um, what is really essential to me? And what are my yeah. terms here? What, what can I agree to and what am I not going to agree to? Because this is still my life, right? Right. And I still get to live this life on my own terms. And so having that clarity of values and terms and what I'm, you know, what ultimately is the end goal, right? Taking that long-term vision and being crystal clear on that. And if something doesn't align with that, then I just can't agree to it and (laughs) I love that (laughs) I feel like getting to that place of alignment is an ugly process sometimes and it's like a process full of fits and starts but you you make it sound so elegant I just want to make it clear (laughs) it's it's definitely not right (laughs) so it's correct that it is messy right that it's very it's very messy along the way when I first had the realization that what like when I when I wrote down my core values and then I looked at my life and I realized like none of this is really being expressed in the way that I really want it to be right now. Yeah. Like that was a painful reckoning, you know, a, a yeah. painful moment of reckoning essentially. And so, you know, the work became, okay, where do I go from here? And, you know, what needs to happen first and how do I change this little by little, right? And so for me, one of the things that I had to learn was, you know, I had this allotted time for myself on Fridays that I was using to do other things. I was using to, you know, spend time with more time with the baby or spend time, you know, um, picking up the slack on on work things. And, And I had to get to a point where I said, no, that's that's not what this is about. This is yeah. about me getting a little bit of me back. So I ended up taking guitar lessons on Friday mornings, and I ended up just going and doing something that was just for me. And if that was all I did, like that was enough. But I had to have 
a time when I yeah. was just allowed to be Carice without being a lawyer and without being a mom or a wife, just me as a person. So I, I just think what you're saying there about putting yourself first as an individual, playing music, by the way, is like you would fit right in here at Bostop. That's like another form of self-care that so many of us on this team indulge in. I play the drums. Nice. And starting drum lessons up again after Max was born was like a big a big part of me doing me yeah, again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just love what you're saying. I think it's pretty radical and it's it's like subtly radical. You know, those things that you don't know are missing until you're like, oh yeah, what is it like to make decisions for myself in a day? I don't remember. And then you're like, oh, okay, I got to take that vitamin. Yeah. So bring us home with that third step because you were alluding to three requirements for like making part-time work work for you. Mm -hmm. Can you recap the first two and then bring us home with that third? Yeah. So the the first one that I mentioned was the clear understanding that this arrangement is best for everyone. The mm. second one is that assessment of your own internal values and your terms, as well as the value that you bring to your employer or your clients mm. or whoever, you know, um, whatever your arrangement is, getting crystal clear on that is absolutely essential to making yeah. this work. And then the third thing is a balance of healthy boundaries and flexibility. So there will be mm. times when flexibility is required, and there will also be times when you need to be able to set a boundary and say, this is going to have to wait. And mm -hmm. that is very difficult um, for many, particularly for women to do, um, because we're, we're taught that we have to always, you know, be people pleasers. We have to always say yes. And right. It, it, totally. It's this, like cardinal sin to, <laughs> to like, you know, um, to, to decline. Right. But whenever, again, the, the long-term vision about right. what is actually best for everyone sometimes healthy boundaries are actually what is best for everyone. And again, yeah. I, I see that from the people who have, you know, fled from jobs where they weren't able to establish healthy boundaries. Um, and mm. so there was a, a giant loss there for the employer, but then, yeah. you know, they're, they're not often not any better off in a new job because guess what? They took their boundaries with them. Right. Mm. And so this is a situation that I would say before you flee and try to change the circumstance, yeah. um, the boundary situation needs to be addressed. But then also yeah. the flexibility, right? Like you, you still have to understand that, yes, um, being a team player and in some circumstances it's required. Um, so yeah. it's the willingness to do both. That mm. is that third What would you element. say to someone who sets boundaries but finds them being not respected by their workplace? You know what I mean? Who really mm -hmm. tries to have those boundaries and then whether it's explicitly said to her or implicitly implied that like we don't really believe in boundaries here. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. there is that sort of individual role but also the the corporate culture you're operating in can kind of influence that ability. So mm -hmm. what would you say to someone who goes, Carice, I'm trying here. I'm setting boundaries. I've got my out of office up. Like, what do people want from me? And, and I'm still getting harassed by clients who think that I should be responding 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say that you 
teach people how to treat you. You teach people mm -hmm. what you'll tolerate. And sometimes an honest conversation needs to be had. And sometimes it's truly a, not a good fit. The, if the values yeah. of your organization are not in line with your own values, then sometimes there needs to be a change to a different organization that is more aligned with your values. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I've seen it both ways. I've seen people be able to fix a situation staying where they are, and I've seen people needing to leave. And, um, you know, but either way, continuing on yeah. in a kind of mentality of I'm powerless here, that is not good for anybody. That just continues yeah. to reinforce that message, and it continues yeah. to leave the leave you feeling or that you know the, the, the person involved feeling that they have no options and that is almost never the case right you yeah. I mean always have more options than you think yes, um, yes. whether yes. those options are internal or whether you need to go external um, but yeah don't let people don't teach people that they can get away with that essentially yeah right like I love that um and so yeah it might mean you you need to go out and find another job but that is absolutely yeah. um sometimes that that's required yeah sometimes that's what you have to do and honestly here at bossed up we can help you do that okay go to bossedup.org slash job search for lots of free resources on that I just want to plus one everything you just said because we are so on the same page there Carice this podcast has gone on like way longer than most of them usually do because I really am enjoying talking to you and may or may not be shedding a tear over here as you like read me my receipts of the past 10 and a half months. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for, for being here. What's one thought you want to leave our listeners with or one way that you think they should connect with you further if they're looking for the kind of support that you offer and, and finding that path towards being a happy mom attorney or just a happy mom worker? I would like to echo what you just said, Emily, which is anytime you are feeling like you are stuck in a situation that feels gross and you are not happy with your options and you want to, um, you know, you know that there's something else, but you don't know how to get yeah. it. Um, that is a sign always that says, um, get help, like you said, uh, reach out. Um, don't let yourself dwell and stay in a place that doesn't feel good for you because you mm. were made for so much more than that. Um, you deserve to mm. be happy. You deserve – your kids deserve a happy mom. Um, you know, your family deserves a happy you. Um, and your – you know, the people that you serve with your work, they also deserve that um, – that, yeah. that comes from somebody who is happy and thriving. And so don't settle yeah. for um, anything less than what feels good to you and that feels right. Um, and to find me, um, you can mm. go to happylawmom.com. Um, and also the Happy Lawyer Mom podcast is anywhere you find podcasts. Um, and yes. it was such a pleasure talking about this with Amazing. you. It's so important. It really is. Um, yeah. And I love the, I love the way you approach your work, Grace. Honestly, it's thank amazing. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank and I will here. say, ditto, Emily. I, I, I love <laughs> Carice, thank you so much for being here. For everyone listening who wants to learn more, I will drop in today's show notes all the links to uh, follow up with Carice and all of her fantastic work and listen to her podcast. Thank you again for being part of this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's been so much fun. 
I really want to hear what you thought. I want to add your voice to this conversation. So as always, please join me in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. It's linked in today's show notes. And you can weigh in on what you thought of today's episode there in our discussion thread every Tuesday around uh, each new Bossed Up Podcast episode. I'd love to hear what Carice said that really resonated with you. And if you're a parent or thinking about becoming a parent, what resonated uh, from your experience. I'd love for you to weigh in and add your voice to this conversation. And to check out all of today's corresponding show notes, head to bossedup.org slash episode 366. That's bossedup.org slash episode 366. And until next time, let's just keep bossing <laughs> as best we can in pursuit of our purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb.